Welcome to Screen Talk, IndieWire's weekly podcast. I'm Eric Cohn, the Deputy Editor and Chief Critic, joined as always by our Editor-at-Large, Ann Thompson, out in Los Angeles. Meanwhile, I'm in Paris, gearing up for the big plunge into Cannes. And Ann, this is the last time that we'll do one of these things before we get into the grind, the, the sleepless nights, the early morning screenings, the constant anticipation of another A-list auteur put to the test to thousands of uh, press and industry. The, the Cannes experience is always so fascinating to me because uh, we all we spend all year kind of anticipating it. And then in 10 days, it just kind of happens. And it has such a dramatic effect on the way that we talk about movies for the rest of the year. I mean, for, for somebody like you, you've been going longer than me. Do you think that it's a reliable barometer for the movies that we should be talking about each year? No, what's great about it is that we're exposed to a much wider range of global high-end cinema than we would normally be. Remember, so many, I mean, when I was growing up, when I was coming up in the business, there was a lot more import, imports from France and Spain and Japan and all these other places. There was way more of an art house uh, market in the United States, you know, uh, uh, where people actually went to the movies and saw these films. It's it a, become much smaller. It's true. And one of the things that, so I've been going to came for 11 years. And when I started going, you know, the Netflix thing, the Amazon thing, those, they had, that landscape hadn't shifted in that kind of way. But it was definitely not, you know, the golden days of the art house world. And so to me, what was sort of stunning was seeing this, you know, massive infrastructure in which you have a red carpet event every night that sometimes has stars on it and sometimes will have, you know, an obscure Turkish director whose movie will never be seen in the United States. And that's fascinating, the the way that it does that. No, I mean, what's fun about Cannes, I mean, you and I stay in this, I'm like the, I'm like Snow White with the seven doors, you know, at this, at this apartment that we stay at with all the guys and I'm the one girl, you know, and, and we're all fighting for the the showers in the morning. It's a bunch of film dweebs drinking rosé. Oh, it's lovely. I adore (laughs) it. I totally adore it. Uh, as long as I get enough sleep and I don't get sick or something, but, um, uh, because It'll the temptation happen. is very great. You stay up very late because you're jet lagged and there's plenty of wine and plenty of parties and everything else on the beach. And it's all very lovely. And you have lots and lots of energy like you do right now. And then uh, you have to get up every morning for the 830 screening. And I was going to say there was this one morning where we were all fighting to get to the the tree of life. <laughs> yeah, it's like that was like a mosh pit. I love that. That was that, was, that was insane. Year. I'm not sure if there's anything this year that, that could inspire that that phenomenon. Well, the very but... first morning, I mean, we're going to get there. Okay, so we're going to get there on opening day. Opening day, first of all, there'll be the pizza on Tuesday night. Let's explain the, uh, what that means. So that it's a thing night, where a group year. of American journalists and people like Eugene Hernandez, who really sort of organizes it, although Jeff Wells' name is attached to it as well. He likes to head it um, up to a group of people will will uh, you know look forward to meeting uh, the future wife of Jeff Wells at this uh, restaurant. Yes, um, that is what a- they're going to the restaurant for <laughs> <laughs> to see if Jeff's story is true. But it's really about conviviality. The, the pizza is a sort of the Americans like it because it's really good, not super expensive. They they serve people quickly. It's very basic. 
rustic in my mind it's like salads you know kind of basic french food the last opportunity to like sit down and kind of have a normal meal for a couple of days and and see people before the mayhem starts i mean there's there's a lion's gate table and all through the restaurant all the americans kind of find people there yeah like little islands of film industry influencers that's right and then you and you share information and you share intel. I mean, one of the great things there's there's a great deal of collegiality that can. It's not about competing or holding information. Everybody's sharing information and it's fun. But the next, so so then Wednesday is the opening night, and you're going to go to the opening night uh, ceremony. You'll yeah, get your little black. It's always so fun. I, after about five or so years in the can, I was like, you know, maybe I should have just invest in the whole black tie thing and go to one of these things. And it is kind of fun to, to get into that part of, of, of the, the can experience. I tend to go when it's, when it's an American, like some of the great opening nights have included, you know, Baz Luhrmann, you know, Moulin Rouge or something like that, you know, where I can vividly remember Nicole Kidman dancing on a table, you know, that kind of thing. But I'm um, one of the great parties of all time. But this time, it's a French movie. It's um, Ismail's Ghosts from Arnaud de Plechin back in the, the uh, limelight again yeah, after having they shoved the, over to Fortnite. You know, it sounds um, like a you know pejorative. I mean, it, that was a small movie. His last film, My Golden Years, and it, I think it kind of made sense there in some ways, and it stood out better than it would have in this case. He's got this movie. It's got Marion Cotillard and a couple other big names. And it's I'm in France already and walking around Paris. I see posters for it. It's it's opening really soon. It's actually yeah, a very so it's reasonable a French spot. launch. Yeah, yeah, very reasonable. And then the next morning, bright and early, however late we've stayed up that night, we will be at the eight thirty press screening every morning. That's my rule: is to go to the eight thirty press screening because otherwise you get behind and you have to juggle. So wonderstruck, Todd Haynes, right off it the just, bat, you looking jump right into it. It's, it yeah. So, so we should, this is actually kind of fascinating too because there's so much speculation about whether or not timing matters. I had a long conversation with some people about this at dinner last night. You know, there there are different theories about this. This is a this is a an acquisitions title. So Wonders, it absolutely well, yes, favors. internationally, you're talking about uh, for the Todd Haynes films, Amazon in the U.S. But uh, you know, do they, they have do they have a partner distributor for it? That's a good question. If they do, they it, don't. It doesn't seem clear. So so the, there there are certainly a lot of unknown elements in terms of how a movie like this is going to play and, and what kind of life it's going to have. There's some territories but, available on that title. Well, and the thing that's interesting about Wonderstruck kicking things off in the competition is that if it's really, really great, it's just going to hold on to that visibility. And if it's pretty good, but not you know not everybody's just like floored by it, it w- it'll be fine because, you know, a whole bunch of other stuff will come along and it, it, they can kind of rebuild the marketing for that movie for its release. Well, the thing about that, that the thing that strikes me about that movie, what, 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 I, what I'm optimistic about, is that it's not your normal movie. I mean, no yeah. Todd Haynes movie it's, is your normal right. movie. It's, it's part but this silent. one is definitely, you know, bifurcated. It has weird narrative structure. It's different time zones. It's black and white in color. It's different memories and points of view. So I'm really sort of intrigued well, because I, I don't Haynes, know what it is. To me, Todd Haynes is, is like Richard Linklater in the sense that, you know, he started out 
much more experimental, and now he seems to be figuring out a middle ground between his experimental tendencies. Well, he and has to survive. He has to make movies, just like we at IndieWire have to get traffic every once in a while. He has to get right. some audience but, uh, eyeballs into I, the theater. Yeah, but I mean, it's not like you know Guy Ritchie going off and making tent poles now or something. Hardly. <laughs> you know, Carol seemed mainstream for him, no was, question. Then we have the Andre yeah. Zvigantsev, or however you say it, uh, Russian movie. Yeah, the guy who made Leviathan won a screenplay Loveless, prize for that. It's called. Yeah, I, I mean, not a lot of people have uh, seen that because it, it, was, it was added right last minute before they, they finalized the selection. But it looks very, very good. I'm personally excited for this one. He's I mean, a smart guy. He's a great storyteller, so I'm excited about that. And then the next day, Friday, we have Okja. From Okja. Bong Appar- apparently in, that, in this movie you hear them say Okja a lot, so I think people are going to be shouting that a Okja. lot. Okja! But <laughs> so, so here, here things get interesting. Tilda Swinton, who we love. And, and it's, you know, Plan B produced it. It's a, kind of a wacky sci-fi adventure with a young girl and her relationship to some kind of, I don't know, supernatural being or something something to that effect. But what's interesting about this one is Here's when the real conversation about Netflix versus Cannes is going to kick off. And, and I kind of feel for these directors who are going to be at the festival this year. Because uh, they're all going to get fielded yeah. questions It's about like it. Bong Joon-ho and Noah Baumbach have these movies in competition at Cannes. It you know, should be a very prominent slot. And uh, all they're going to have to do is talk about whether or not the, they side with Netflix in this situation where, you know, French... Uh, theater owners are pissed that these movies uh, are just going to kind of go to Netflix platforms. There's a law that says that they that they need to be they need to have theatrical. A new law, right? Well, so so the, there's the French law that says uh, I think it's 36 months uh, uh, in between the uh, the digital or the the SVOD release and the uh, the theatrical release. Uh, so it's basically like if Netflix were to play by those rules, they could not launch uh, the these, these movies in, on their platform in France for a couple of years. So it's it's not a good bargain for them to do that. And yet, by that same token, they've driven this wedge between uh, Cannes' relationship to a, a major influential uh, digital platform and its relationship to the French uh, uh, theater owners. So what they've done is they, they announced that they are not pulling these movies from the lineup. None of that's going to change. But going forward, any movie in competition has to have a French theatrical release. So that basically says unless something radical happens, that Netflix movies are not going to be playing competition next year or any year so long as that rule stays in place. So... Interesting. Uh, it's, a, it's a tricky situation. It's going to be awkward uh, to see how but these I entities don't, you know, I don't. I, I think it's very interesting, too, because Netflix has a very strong uh, economic model that it follows rigorously and makes few exceptions for. And I feel like they should be able to do what they want. Uh, yeah, I mean, of course. But I do think but, there is something to be said. But Can like, has, a, it, like the Academy, is trying really hard to stay in love with the theatrical experience. Well, I mean, also, there, there's something to be said for offering an olive branch. And I know it's not apples to apples, but what Amazon has done by 
making itself very much a respected part of the film community, theatrical community, building a team of familiar faces. It, it's worked in this company's favor, and they do traditional theatrical release. So, so it's not apples to apples. But there is something to be said for maybe going, going the extra mile to try to make this more of a constructive situation. Netflix just, they have no business reason for that. They just need to get more subscribers. These movies, I mean, they, they can do whatever they want, and they don't seem to be interested in any other no. rationale. So they really are. But it, but it is actually kind of fascinating because the two movies Netflix has, Okja and the Meyerowitz uh, stories, I mean, these are very different kinds of films. And it, and it speaks to the nature of the all-encompassing nature of a platform like Netflix. So, But they would both seem to be challenging theatrical releases. To right. me. So it, so basically, if, if Not it's a difficult movie... Slam dunks. Right, but yeah, if going but... to Netflix, you can be all over the world when they push a button. That's amazing. These movies are probably going to do really well there. And so... these are established directors already who don't need to be branded and, and turned into an identifiable name. I mean, they are already. So well, they have a following already, it's... which is why Netflix wants them. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting to think about. So Oakja plays on, on the 19th, and then Jupiter's Moon the same day. Uh, Lesser-known filmmaker, Cornel Mondrusko, this Hungarian filmmaker who made White God a few years ago, which won in some regard, uh, in a kind of a genre, edgier sensibility. I mean, that's that you know maybe that would do well on Netflix, but it's not the kind of thing where it's like you know if it if no, it didn't have people are going to look at it. They're right. going to see how it plays with audiences. So here's what I'm hearing from the buyers: the buyers are basically saying that they might scoop up a couple of foreign language titles, ones that might be likely to be Oscar contenders. You know, if they play well, if they might work. You know, then they wouldn't spend a lot of money on buying them. But basically, the big titles that are completed are, are are given up already. And the the other the other option, of course, is the market, which is very much about looking at footage. Something like Arrival sold in the Cannes market for like twenty million dollars to Paramount, right. right. but yeah, that's, that that's was a, a package story. that already existed yeah. and, and they sold it. And, and, you know, there's a lot of movies like that that are going to get bought off of footage right. because yeah, people can't totally afford to world. wait uh, for people, finished movies. If you don't totally know the different layers of Cannes, it's kind of hard to understand this, that there's basically this like dungeon beneath the Palais de Festival, you know, that in the mornings we go see these movies while, you know, in the bowels of this building, there are all these deals taking place around movies that don't even exist yet. And you it's get these more, announcements about it. It's more like, well, yeah, and it's more like they're renting, you know, special screenings right. and they're, or they're having events. I've yeah. gone to events. I've gone to full dinner parties where they're just going to show like X amount of minutes. Right. Of and something. there's a star and the stars there to introduce right. it. And, like know, Bruce Willis or whatever, right. you know, whatever it is. And, and, and then all the buyers are there getting, you know, getting drunk or right. whatever. Pretending um, they care. <laughs> yeah. And then, all right. So the next day so we, we have, have the square well, yeah. with Ruben Ostlund, yeah, so which I'm looking forward to. This is the force majeure guy. Right. I mean, 120 beats per minute is, a, is, a, is an interesting open question, but the square, I think people are, are going to be really excited. No, to I see. think they're going to be more interested in that. Force majeure for sure. was was a great kind of breakout at Cannes when it, when it was there, 
And The Square yeah. is, you know, it's a slightly bigger movie for him, but it sounds like it's, you know, not, you know, like he's selling out into some bigger thing in that sense. I mean, the Magnolia is already releasing in the U.S., and, and it seems to be, uh, from what I've heard from people, very much in line with what Force Majeure was doing. So I think, you know, very strong kind of character-driven movie that, that yeah, should play well. I'm excited well. to see that. Uh, and then the next morning at 8.30, back we have in the Netflix territory, stories. Yeah. New and then and the one that I'm really curious about, which I'm hearing good things about, is the Michelle Hazanavicious, the guy who did the artist. This is the Le it's called Le Redoutable or Redoubtable. And it's it's about Jean Godard and Anne Wiechemski. And so I'm curious. Yeah, Lachine. Uh, the mm -hmm. the Godard film in which a bunch of Marxists hole up in an apartment and, and plot to take over the world. I mean, it's like it's such like inside cinephile baseball, and yet it I sounds can't like it's wait. A, well, a having you know, having gone to see the uh, the Psycho movie, the that that uh, you know, the cinephiles dig this stuff. This will be fun. Yeah, no, I mean, it, it's it best case scenario is that this is a fun movie. That doesn't insult it's the French, French culture, way, right? right? I mean, we yeah. all romanticize <laughs> and, our and young Louis characters. And Louis Garrel is in it, Godard, So, you know, I mean, it'll be a nice kind of, you know, cozy experience for people before the next morning, which starts with the New Yorkers Lanzimus joint. So, you know, it's like, enjoy the fun Godard biopic while you can, because the killing of sacred deer is really going to mess you up. So... That well, the word on that from everywhere I can get any intel, which includes Kidman and Farrell, who are in it, is basically that it's very, very weird, and it makes the lobster look mainstream. So, well, I mean, <laughs> another see. another great can experience for me was watching Dogtooth, not knowing very much about yeah, it, and being like, "That's a good what? movie. What is this?" And, and it, what the hell? It, it still has a big following. I mean, I, there was a very tragic news last week in, in which we found out that one of the actresses. Uh, passed away and and it was I guess the way I saw it being passed around online you could see just like what an audience that movie created for Yorgos and so you know he is in the can ranks now and if this movie is crazy in a way that gets a strong response you know it's it's not going to be like Neon Demon or something but I think people will you know even if not everybody loves it it'll it'll probably do do well for the movie to get that word out there and A24 is putting it out so you know it's it's a good platform for the movie it seems like the right time in the festival for that to happen and then after that we have the new Michael Haneke at 11 a.m. with Isabelle Huppert right the, the goddess of the closet as it were cannot wait cannot so, wait you know, yeah. I mean, and then, and then the game. next on the twenty fourth, we have the Beguiled. Wait, I can't believe you you skipped Hong Sang Soo and your favorite oh, Korean auteur. Oh come on, we can't do every single movie. <laughs> but Hong Sang Soo has two movies that can. He's also got a movie that's like sixty nine minutes long or something, playing out of competition called Claire's Camera. But uh, the day after is there as well, and who pairs in uh, Claire's Camera as well. But I think Hong Sang Soo is a really interesting director, and he's got his. His legion of fans. I like him. So. I like him. I liked his last movie. They're, but this, they're predictable. This is, uh, but... I, and and you're you're gonna you're gonna give us you're gonna give us more details on Hikari by Naomi Kawase. Well, is they, that right? I, I feel like Kawase just kind of winds up in the competition on in default in some ways, unless she, well, unless they're always looking for women directors, I aren't know. they? It's it's a it's a little it's a little strange. With they have a that. short list of I don't women know, that they consider worthy. But I don't know anybody who really swears by Naomi Kawase. I mean, yeah, I don't. I, we only seem to encounter her name at Cannes in, in any kind of prominent way. So that's 
that's a little peculiar to me. But we'll see. Maybe it's so great. So Sofia Coppola's back in the competition with The Beguiled, which is on Wednesday morning. And uh, I'm looking forward to that, I must say. It looks, everything I've seen looks promising. It's, it um, would be good for her to have a positive can experience because the last time she was in competition was Marie Antoinette. Which did not it was great it was a there. flip it was a flipping of the seats but it was all, people liked it too it was both the and narrative then she was, around she it was smarter to have the bling ring in the uh, in a regard which was less less of a slapping seat situation right but I mean there is a lot of anticipation for this movie that the I, I know the timing is a question you know in some ways it's like it's pretty late in the festival. But it's like just late enough where it's like it could be in that prime slot to really light things up. This is know? when this is when I mean, often I, I'm not saying that's going to happen this year, but often there's that sense of disappointment that that starts to build after a few days, and everything is disappointing and it doesn't come through. And usually they book a few really strong things right around the middle of the festival like this. Mm-hmm. So we shall see. Yeah. So then you have Rodin, which I'm curious about, Jacques Doyon with Vincent Landon, who won Best Actor last year. It looks a very straightforward and, biopic kind of a thing, but who knows? Yeah. I mean, it's not something We shall see. And then we, and Cohen Media has that. And then we have Good Time from your Safety Brothers. I, I mean, yeah. I mean, look. Another A24 title. I like how you, you make it sound like I own them or something. Like I have them in little You are the champion I, of well, the Safety Brothers. Yeah, and you know what? I mean, uh, we talked this way about Yorgos Lanthimos before you saw Lobster. I mean, these are filmmakers that you latch onto them when you see something there early on. And it's just great to see them continue to expand into a bigger platform. I mean, 10 years ago, I saw The Pleasure of Being Robbed at South by Southwest. That was their first film. And then it was the only American film with directors Fortnite. And it didn't play amazingly well there. But there was something about this kind of scrappy old New York sensibility that then evolved into Daddy Longlegs, which went to directors Fortnite as well. So now they're in competition with another New York movie. This has Robert Pattinson. I think it's going to be really fascinating to see how something like this plays in a prime competition slot at the Cannes Film Festival. I mean, it's, it's good, nice to have a, an American independent film filmmaker, you know, kind of on the younger end, end of the spectrum, have that kind of exposure. You know, this year's jury is headed by Pedro Almodovar. You got Jessica Chastain. You have Will Smith. I mean, whose who's, uh, relationship to international cinema is a mystery to me. But I would be curious to know what those people He's make He's a of these major things. movie star. He's seen a lot of movies in his day. I'm sure he has opinions about them. Well, he doesn't have to sit through, you know, a Nuri Bilge Chalon film or something like that that would like really push him to the to the extremes. So He will have to see Krotkaya, which is directed by Sergei Loznitsa. I'm excited about like, that one. I've it's liked a, some of his films. Yeah, so it's, it's called A Gentle Creature. It's a, I believe the story involves a woman trying to uh, find her husband who's in a Siberian prison or something like that. I mean, it sounds like it's very uh, Ukrainian, but uh, also (laughs) possibly very, uh, you know, impeccably crafted. I mean, it's just a very... It's called a gentle creature. And then then we have Fatih Akin right at the end there. Towards the end of the festival here, in the fade. He could surprise... He's a filmmaker that people like. like you saw his, the movie he made before this. I mean, it was yeah, more it was commercial. good. It was very good. So, it, was, it was actually sort of commercial, yeah. even though it never got 
back up here. And then we have Francois Ozon, who sometimes translates to uh, American side of the uh, Atlantic. Well, you the know, most he, successful he, film he had in the U.S. was Swimming Pool, which was right, a while ago. With Charlotte Rampling. But, but I liked his last movie, um, France, which was sort of an, a Lubitsch remake of sorts. And uh, he's very prolific. And one of the things he said in interviews for France, this kind of elegant period piece, was that you know he it was sort of his his most PG movie in a way, and he wanted to go back to the sex of things. I mean, the last time he was in competition, he liked sex. He was young and he beautiful, definitely liked sex. A, yeah, a movie that was very much. And he about got sex, into some you know? trouble. What was the name of the one where he was young and beautiful? It was about a prostitute. Yeah, yeah young and beautiful. Yeah. Really he said some things that were got there, him into there trouble. There was a bit of a and, male gaze thing happening there. So. Indeed. Then we have, at the very end the of the competition, you have screen. Lynn Ramsey's You Are Never Really Here. Which is probably what we're all going to think at the end of the festival. We're like, this <laughs> You were waiting happen? for that. It just occurred to me. But somebody's going to make that joke, so it may as well be me. I mean, I, I think Lynn Ramsey is a great filmmaker. The last time we she like was her. in competition was with We Need to Talk About Kevin, which played pretty well. You know, yeah, so definitely. There, there's something to anticipate about that. I actually saw that. that in the Palais. Yeah, and it was it was a it was a strong screening there. It's been a while since she she's done something, but uh, this is an adaptation of a Jonathan Ames novel with Joaquin Phoenix, Alessandro Nivola. Just looks really Good strong. Cast. I think there, there's going to be a lot of conversations about it. I may or may not be able to see it because uh, I'll, I'll be, be gone. gone. Yeah, I'll be gone so. by then. I usually leave on. That's my usual day to leave is Friday. So basically, there is uh, some stuff out of competition, and we don't have to do everything. But I'm curious to see uh, the the documentary by no the fiction film called Sea Sorrow with by Vanessa Redgrave with Ray Fiennes. And of course, there's an Agnes Varda film, which you know you, you can't. I mean, the fact that she's just out there and still being this really active, creative mind. I mean, carrying the torch of the new wave better than anybody, I would say, is is just so cool. Faces, places, still vital. Looks really cool. Uh, you have midnight, and then stuff. there's another eight twenty four movie, a prayer, a prayer before, before dawn. dawn. Yeah, you want to come with me to the twelve thirty a.m. screening in the Palace? <laughs> <laughs> Jeez. And then there's a Kristen Stewart short and a yeah. Robin Wright short. These are these are uh, ten, a, like ten minutes long yeah, or something. The Refinery Twenty Nine project and Come Swim, the Kristen Stewart short film played at Sundance to a solid reception, which is probably the best you could ask for or something like this. So, and then there's a documentary by Eugene Jarecki, which I'm curious about, called Promised Land. And John Cameron so, Mitchell with How to Talk to Girls at Parties. Which midnight movie. That, I mean, I'm, I'm super curious about that one because, I mean, JCM is a great filmmaker. He, movies, even even the ones that don't have the same kind of following, like a, you know, uh, Rabbit Hole, I think are very well done. And uh, this is just really bizarre material. So even if it doesn't work for everybody, I have this feeling that there are people who are going to go to the mat for it because it's just a, it's a really interesting kind of high-concept sci-fi story based on a Neil Gaiman short story, but it's it, there's something weird that happens to these guys and it ends up being more of a, a romance of sorts. So It also feels like that. a pretty sprawling ensemble so that it's not like, you know, a star vehicle, even though Nicole Kidman is, is in it. There, there's a lot of other people in it, too. So the so. last time I saw a Claude Lonsman movie at Cannes, it was, I think, like six or seven hours long or something like that. So it's nice to see that the 90-something-year-old uh, documentary filmmaker behind Shoah has a, a movie that runs uh, just over an hour and a half this year. 
napalm where he goes to North Korea. It's an, a kind of cool. That time could be really book. interesting yeah, since I, we all have curiosity I'm sure. I mean, about a, a place that where, we're not allowed to go. You know, as a filmmaker now, I don't really know where he's at, but if it's just him being there and talking about stuff, it's probably worth watching. You know, yeah, so. the other big uh, debut here, uh, I mean, they will see it back in the U.S. before we do, but there's Top of the Lake, China Girl, the Jane Campion film. So I'm looking forward. And Kidman is in that. Kidman's going to walk up the red carpet four times No, oh, she'll least, probably do it yeah, more than that, more. I was going to say. I mean, she's going all yeah. out this year. That's the she's interesting totally thing about this festival is that it's like you can, if you are at a certain stature, and you have enough going on, you can really kind of bend it to your will. I mean, Nicole Kidman will be just everywhere in, in a way that it's got to be worth so much in terms of publicity for all of these. You know, the well, smaller she's movies got get a boost. Emmy and, goals, you know, back 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 home. She's got Oscar goals. We'll see what happens. And then there's Twin Peaks, which is at the at the very end there. Um, again, people will see it here before we see it there, but it'll still be fun to see it there. And then there's um, a celebration for the 70th anniversary of the festival with a, a book in French that includes an essay I wrote that I won't be able to read. <laughs> they invited they me, but I was in the thick of Oscar season and I didn't get the year I wanted. So I, I didn't what, do what, it. Let, I wish let, I had. Let's make up for it really quickly here. What, what year would you pick if you could write about one year of the festival? Well, I wanted to do, um, I think I wanted to do the Pulp Fiction year because uh, everybody wants Pulp Fiction. I could tell the story. <laughs> yeah, but I could tell the story of, of interviewing Quinn. And Tarantino at the Carlton Beach while we were both lying there in lounge chairs in the sun, you know, talking to each other. You know, it was such a special time. You, you are know? going or, to write or the that year story. I was there with Sex Lies and Videotape, yeah. too. You I know, mean, I, those... I ended up writing it so that they asked different writers to pick years, and actually, there's only two Americans who ended up doing it me and, and Kenny Turan. And uh, the years, all the years I've been going were taken. I mean, 2007, my first year was. Uh, a really, really good year, and I wanted that. That wasn't available. The year, the last few years weren't available. And so eventually they said, look, you can pick a year you weren't there and just kind of talk about why you think it's notable and figure out your own way into it. So I wound up with 1969, which was the year that Directors Fortnite launched and the after, after the, a year in which Cannes was canceled with the whole May yeah. 1968 Yeah, it was thing. the so, height of politics yeah, then. Yeah, and... and um, and, and uh, Lindsay Anderson's If won the Palme d'Or, and Easy Rider cool. was in competition. So just, you know, in terms of capturing a, a world grappling with itself at the movies, it, it ended up being worthwhile. But I, that's what I like about looking at a festival like this, is that you really do end up getting a snapshot of uh, of our times. And, you know, I guess we'll have to wait another 70 years to figure out what the story this one is telling. But we'll know a little bit more next week. Well, there's so. some concerns about security. There's some real concerns about that because, after all, um, there have been some targeted terrorist attacks. No, nobody messes with you on the, on the quasette. You, you, as long as you, you move with determination, the... Security kind of speaks for itself. I think you're being. I think you're missing my point I, slightly. I, I just. I, I, everybody. Everybody's in one place at one time in a very high. No, but they've been yeah. threatening. You know, they've been I, saying that the the Cannes Film Festival was a dangerous destination. Yeah, it's, it's, and the security will be heightened. But you know, 
it's always and then, a bit of a madhouse. So, so on the on Sartown Regard side, I guess the main, we've already seen Wind River at Sundance, but that's the one Weinstein Co. movie that's playing in the festival, and it just doesn't feel like it's very newsworthy at this point, since it's going to come out in August. Crimea River. In any yeah. case, I mean, in Windy. certain regards, yeah. we'd have to dedicate another podcast to even go into that, because there's so many unknown quantities as there are there's in nothing to Fortnite discuss really in, in critics week and but but at this point i think you know we have a, a nice kind of sense of how our week's gonna go and you know we'll just have to be open to improvising if something crazy happens so the next time we record we'll be probably about a day or so into the festival and um, we'll have a chance to kind of talk about how things are going so far but in all likelihood we'll have a whole lot more intel by then so we're going to do something live at the American Pavilion, no? Exactly, yeah. Stay tuned for details on that. I think we have a date, but uh, we have to get that announcement out there. But we've done that in the past, and it's always been fun to see people. So if you are running around Cannes and would like to clarify some thoughts about those things, come, come heckle us and, and stay tuned for details on, on the date and time on that. So until then, and I guess I will see you in the south of France soon enough. Very soon. A bientôt.